Hello, and welcome to the Court of Valets podcast. I'm V, and my excitement is riding as high as Superman's head in the latest Joshua Williamson comic. <laughs> we'll get into it. In fact, we'll talk about it more with my co-host here, Joe. Hi. And Muse. Hello. We are a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check out the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. To start off, we'll be covering comics from our long box. Basically, what this means is we'll be covering any Trinity titles and the Justice League title. Muse will also cover any Marvel stories that she feels were pretty important this week. So I'm going to start off with Joe. Big surprise. Um... <laughs> You were reading Batman and Superman number 10? Yeah. So this was written by Joshua Williamson, and this was a new artist on board because Williamson seems to be doing story arcs with specific writers as he's going on with this series. So the artist for this one was Clayton Henry, and I'm not really a fan of his art. His art was kind of a big takeaway for me. I mean, a couple of his faraway shots were great, Mm -hmm. but the close-up with the people... Specifically Superman, were just misproportioned. Did you read this, Muse? No, I'm behind on this series. I was originally going to read it because I love this pairing of their buddy copness, but the death metal stuff kind of turned me away from it, unfortunately. I knew that, so that took up like the first like six issues. It focused on metal and Batman Who Last, but seven to now, it's like nothing to do okay. with that. I probably need to get back onto reading that. There is like a different plot, but what he's talking about with the um, <laughs> the art choices, <laughs> I can back him up on this. Oh, the that opening. Bad? I don't think it's that bad. It's not like the art itself is bad. It's just the proportions. So Superman has this enormous forehead. I'm trying to... It's um, Kurt Mansley from the Iron Giant. (laughs) You know how his forehead is? So that's Superman in the opening two, three pages. But it slowly starts to shrink. And then when he gets into Metropolis, his forehead is normal size. And then it cuts to Batman. And Batman has this enormous (laughs) elongated forehead. But the other difference is that with Superman, when his head starts to shrink his body stays the same so he just looks like one of those stuffed animals that's like from the little head kingdom oh (laughs) to be fair i think that's how i draw superman as well once or twice i just went and looked at what you were talking about i noticed it very easily on that first page yeah superman is flying clayton henry's good with those faraway shots but you can't be doing faraway shots for every panel in a comic book Because you kind of want to look at the person the comic is about. (laughs) Anyway, so speaking of, this is a whole new story arc with Clayton Henry. Basically, Ultra Humanite is stealing some type of thing. And also, just a fact that I found out while reading this, Ultra Humanite hasn't been seen since New 52, when he was part of the Secret Society. Humanite's stealing this thing. He ends up destroying himself in an explosion while he's fighting Superman. And at the same time, Batman is doing an autopsy on the Atomic Skull, who in the last issue is a little bit more reformed. He's trying to prove himself to be a good guy, and he ended up exploding in Gotham City because Superman gave him the chance to prove that he was a good guy. That's what Batman's trying to figure out now, what caused this explosion. 
the news people in Gotham City are trying to see if they can place the blame on Superman. A bunch of witnesses, I guess, saw Superman was the one that gave Atomic Skull a chance. There's like a little bickering between the anchor people and the one guy's like, so is Clark Kent to blame? And the anchor woman's like, oh, so we're just going to start calling him that now ever since he outed himself? <laughs> yeah, it took up a little bit. I hate those scenes where it's mm-hmm. just like, we must have the hero stand in front of a TV blankly for several minutes. It's a little bit faster than the Lois Lane comic, though. Yeah. Because Lois Lane comic, it took up two, three pages of just news report, and then you just see the sound effect of her typing away on a laptop. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that one was even worse, because it was felt like the news anchors were just mm-hmm. talking to us individually. And for some reason, Batman has the TV on while he's working. I mean, mood. And then... <laughs> Superman's just like standing there gaping at the TV and he's like, that's not right. How could they do that? Mm -hmm. But of course he isn't upset about how they're just like calling him out for being a dumb reporter from the Daily Planet. (laughs) He's upset that they reduce Atomic Skull to like the worst things he's ever done. Yeah, because the one guy did bring up that he was a Marine at one point in his life before he became the Atomic Skull. So he's like, you can't just throw him under the bus like that. He was a decorated war veteran, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, yeah, but he still blew up Gotham City, or at least a part of it. Who is the Atomic Skull? Because I think I might know who you're talking about. Superman actually does give a brief description of him. He was a war veteran. He got into some bad accident where he is just absorbed in radiation. So he has to wear this specific containment suit to keep in the radiation. And his body is dissolved from it so he literally just has a skeleton and stuff okay i've seen him in some media before because he's mainly radiation stuff he actually survives all the way up to batman beyond wow and he gets like revamp suits and stuff yeah so that's who he is he showed up last issue he exploded batman's trying to figure out what caused this explosion and it turns out that Inside him was a mixture of all these different techs. Wayne Tech, LexCorp, Star Labs, even Cord Industries. All of this stuff is just in him for some reason and they don't understand why. Bruce feels that it was because somebody robbed one of these Wayne facilities that is basically like a dumping ground for all these companies to just throw out anything. And it's kind of how he gets rid of a couple of his failed experiments with any of his bat tech and stuff. So him and Superman go into this facility. Bruce goes to hack the computer. They also find that one of the items that was recently stolen was the same thing that Ultra Humanite had in the very beginning of the comic. They start to put two and two together. Next thing they know is that they are surrounded by these corpses that are animated talking in the same tone as Atomic Skull was in the last issue. Ooh. Meaning, Ultra Humanite now has telepathy and is controlling all these people. It's kind of similar to what Joker was doing in Joker War with the designer. So, I felt like it was a little bit overplayed, but the difference is Ultra Humanite's using tech, Joker's using... We don't know what he's using. (laughs) We just see gas coming out of the mouth and that's it. So... They start fighting these guys. Batman gets captured by the Ultra Humanite. Ultra Humanite says that he wants to kill Superman. And Batman's going to help him. Batman says there's no way. And Ultra Humanite had made Batman the same way he did Atomic Skull. And made him nuclear. So now Batman is also a bomb that can go off at any second. And that's how the comic ends. Excuse me? 
Excuse yeah. me? <laughs> Uh -huh. Yeah, basically he separates them because they're being overwhelmed by all these dead people, right? But then one of the dead people is Atomic, and they start to see that purple cloud. So Batman's like, Superman, take him up out of the atmosphere so that everyone will be safe. Superman does. Basically throws the guy up there. The guy explodes. Superman comes back down. The warehouse is empty. That's how he steals Batman from underneath yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah, I guess he must have a lead line layered, but at the same time, like, that's some speedy maneuvering. Well, even, like, the telepathy as well. I've seen some, like, even Simon the telepath, they'll be sending, like, psychic message to the other person to make it seem like nothing's actually there. Mm. And, you know, maybe he was kind of had something minor going on to block Superman's visions from it as he took Batman away. Whatever yeah. is convenient and works so that we can get Superman and Batman separated. Yeah. And now Batman's sort of the damsel in distress, but also the carrier of Superman's doom. <laughs> but I also want to know, like, who put Ultra Humanite back together again? Because when we saw him in the beginning, mm -hmm. he didn't have the left side of his body. Right. He got blown up and then he was saying, but I'll be back. You'll see my mm. mind is strong. This is just a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like part machine now, right? Yeah. So, you know, the rule is if you want someone to die, you have to burn their ashes <laughs> and then scatter them so no one can throw them in a Lazarus pit. But I mean, like, it was still good. I enjoyed it. I've been really enjoying the series. And it was also cool to just learn a little bit more about Ultra Humanite because, like, I've seen him in the cartoon, but I never knew how he became that way. So apparently Ultra Humanite was a scientist that was stuck in a wheelchair, much like Charles Xavier, the chief from Doom Patrol, all these smart guys. And he wanted, basically, to do crime. And so <laughs> he turned a crime ring into an evil empire that focused on world domination. But... He didn't want to just be like the guy behind the curtain. He wanted to be part of the front line and feel stronger as he's taking over the world. So he put his mind into a gorilla. And that's how this happened. But yeah, I didn't know that. And I also didn't know that Human Knight hasn't been seen since New 52. You even see like a flashback of New 52 Superman and Wonder Woman fighting him. It's good. Williamson's a good writer. I trust him a lot. I still feel like the dead body controlling thing is a little overplayed right now for me. And that forehead, man. I, <laughs> that just really took it out for me. So I gave this like a six and a half, seven out of ten. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was okay. Yeah, like um, it, it didn't blow me away, but it wasn't bad. I liked it better than Wonder Woman. Yeah? I did. A lot better. You know I love, like, yep. cheesy well, death traps. Cheesy's good. Cheesy I'm works. I'm all about that, yeah. So I like the whole, like, how will you stop me, Superman? <laughs> and it's like, next time on Batman <laughs> Superman, we'll find out. Is Batman gonna blow up? Are we finally gonna end Batman and Superman? <laughs> I think that's why I love the Batman Superman comics. They're just fun, cheesy, buddy cop friendship moments yeah. and it's great Love buddy cop friendship comics. yeah look at green lancer and green arrow that's i like more to of like... hate read that that's <laughs> that's more of a guilty like green lantern and flash is more buddy cop. <laughs> yes yeah, so if you look yeah. on my tumblr you can see like a, a dedicated tag to like moments where hal trips they had this like thing where hal would just be like walking along doo -doo -doo, and then he would like trip and then flash would have to catch him <laughs> 
Or like he would be in an airplane and oh he slips because the airplane tilted mildly and Mr. <laughs> Pilot can't take it and then Flash has to. Re- it's just stupid. <laughs> I love buddies being buddies. I almost want to transition into you, Muse, because mine is kind of boring for me, but let's just keep the DCs together. Wonder Woman 759 by Mariko Tamaki. Artist was Mikkel Jenin. It was fine. It was like a, not solid, but like it was a nice introduction, possibly. Yes. It could have used a little more meat, in my opinion. We're rebooting, basically. (laughs) Um, Wonder Woman is, I'm not rebooting, it's soft. It's It's like new writer team. So we're starting fresh. You don't have to know anything about Wonder Woman. If you wanted to jump in on Wonder Woman, 759 is where you go because you will not be running into any like loose threads. We're starting fresh, not only like with a new arc, but like a new life. Wonder Woman is moving into a new apartment. She's got all these Amazons helping her move. <laughs> She's getting into a new place. We have a ton of narration. Someone is narrating. Mm-hmm. They're talking about what is the meaning of good and evil? What are heroes? What aren't heroes? Heroes help other people. Wonder Woman's a hero. (laughs) So it's that kind of narration. It's kind of like, so you didn't need to write anything here. You just felt like the silence would have been too silent. Yeah. So it's not too obnoxious. Like, it's not like some of the narration you feel like you're listening to someone have a stroke. (laughs) Rucka. But um, (laughs) Rucka, Morrison, you know, like (laughs) the big names. There are a lot of ones where, like, I'm just reading and I'm like, what am I reading? Why am I looking at a wall of text? You didn't have to say any of this. I mean, it could be silent for all 20 pages, and then at the end of it, it just says beep, beep. No, that's Tom Keen, and we don't talk about that content. <laughs> so, the, the narration wasn't intrusive. It was in small boxes. Mm-hmm. They used short sentences. It was unnecessary, but I've come to just accept it. So we're, we're listening to this person talk about heroes and, and Wonder Woman's journey through the ages sort of like set you up. Like if you've never heard of Wonder Woman before in your life, they're telling you Wonder Woman is an Amazon who came to help man and mankind took her up on her offer. She's wonderful. She fought these people and these people and this happened and also she fought the God of War. And so they're setting it up like you've only seen the movie. They, they don't, they're recapping the movie basically because the only things they're telling you are in the movie she works with the government there's steve trevor he's jumping around with a gun he's pointing at the camera wow yeehaw and then they're like guess what wonder woman also fought max lord oh you don't know who max lord is he's a telepath he did all sorts of bad stuff he was a bad person and she beat him it was incredible so then you cut to her in her apartment you're like great they set up the next movie awesome good job and i do like that they didn't mention the fact that she killed him <laughs> at one point they just showed like the scene right before it happened because she has him like all wrapped up in the lasso of truth and everything and like a, a foot on his back as he's on the ground i think in this reboot though she doesn't do it i think she just put him in prison like a good superhero. I also didn't know that he was telepathic. You, you didn't? I never read a lot about Maxwell Lord. The only things I read about him was in Infinite Crisis. Then I have to show you this Blue Beetle Booster Gold <laughs> team up. Because <laughs> Max Lord is having like this villainous plan in the background while these two are having a buddy day. It's so funny. 
When aren't they having a freaking buddy day? <laughs> Honestly. Every day is a buddy day. <laughs> I want a roommate that I enjoy as much as those two enjoy each other. And there's another wonderful buddy cop duo. They are the OGs. But it, I wouldn't even call it buddy cop. It's like just... It's just buddy idiots. It's like Bill and Ted, you know? Yes! They just happen to be in these situations. <laughs> yes. It's 100% Bill and Ted. Literally. Like the time travel, the mm. idiotic, like, what are we going to do today? Let's steal all the Oreos <laughs> in the city and see if Martian Manhunter has a meltdown. <laughs> Why not? And then when he does have a meltdown, they're like, uh-oh, we overestimated our abilities. <laughs> I don't know. It is just stupid. So anyways, Max Ford. That's what this is about. We cut in. Wonder Woman is moving all of these ancient pieces of art into her museum-like apartment. As you do. And enter quirky, manic girl next door. You know, the one who has <laughs> colored hair. Probably on like some spectrum, either mental or sexual. They come in. They're like, where is my quirky pet run off to? This one's a rabbit. Her rabbit escaped. Mulaney. Mulaney. Wait, there's a rabbit named Mulaney? Yeah. Ugh. She's you. <laughs> I'm allergic to rabbits, mind you. I would not have that. I had no idea. But I would not be surprised if you would name a pet Mulaney. I'm just going to start calling these girls, instead of Manic Pixie Dream Girls, I'm going to start calling them Tumblr Bait. All right? That that's, works. that's what they are. Tumblr so, Bait? Yes. And it's just another... Remember how when we were talking about uh, Batwoman Season 2, yep. how it's just like a checklist? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this. Yeah, it's someone scrolled through Tumblr and they're like, I know what the kids like. The kids like Mulaney, uh, pink hair, um, beanies, and, and hipster glasses. Am I in the right decade? I, I don't know. I had a Tumblr back in the day before I, I grew up. I like up. that you were reading off your hand just like the girl was in the story. Oh gosh, yes. And she, she does write all over herself, but she does it because she cannot remember things because she has brain damage. From a bad car accident, right? She's in a support group for and everything, so she has short-term memory loss. Right. So they got the mental thing too. So I do like when they use people with disabilities. Not everyone is a perfect cookie cutout. However, they did this in Batgirl too when Cameron Stewart rebooted her. Oh, really? Babstar. Yeah, she like runs into someone who's like, "I'm a quirky girl with differently colored hair." I'm also really fashionable, and I'm bi, and also, hello, my name is so-and-so, I have this disability. <laughs> Didn't they also do that roommates. with um, Harper Rowe in the Batman comics? Yeah. Yeah, but she doesn't have a mental... Well, she's, she's depression or yeah, something. Yeah, she's depressed. Aren't we all? <laughs> I don't know too much about her outside of that, but I know at least in like the Young Justice like cartoon, it seems like at a young age, she already kind of has some alcohol issues. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know about the comics. I don't know enough about her. I do know that she is bi and her brother is gay. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being a very big deal to Tumblr. So you see, <laughs> it works. I'm not even going to go in on Rico because, like, if it works, it works. Keep doing it. You got to have the Tumblr best friend stand in. So our Tumblr bait runs in chasing her rabbit and Wonder Woman's like, oh, I was talking to your rabbit. And Wonder Woman, of course, can't use contractions because we're back at zero. So she's yeah. like, it's like every time you reset that girl, <laughs> or I mean orphan, just... she can't speak in more than two words at a time. Wonder Woman is like, ah, yes, my old place had more ledges. It looks odd in here. 
So the girl's like, okay, stranger, I'll take you to Ikea. So they go to Ikea together. Wonder Woman makes some commentary. It's just, it's constant that. It might not be the majority of the comic, but it feels like the majority of the comic to me. It did to me too, yeah. Much like in Ikea, you feel like you've always been there and you will (laughs) never leave. So finally, they get out of the Ikea and they're still moaning about it. So then this woman steals the car with her baby in it, goes crazy. The man's screaming at her to stop. Wonder Woman kicks off her heels, bolts after the car, stops it from colliding as it careens the wrong way into traffic. Mm -hmm. All the while, we are being nagged by this narration about what if it's not easy being good? What if good and evil is difficult? I hope we meet this person and they get punched before we do this. (laughs) She looks into this person's eyes. This girl's like, I would never endanger my child. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was seeing. I didn't see anything bad. I I just thought I was driving home or we were getting ice cream, blah, blah. One of them's like, I believe you. She takes off. She goes to this prison where she has to fight a bunch of people. All these people are fighting her. And it's really hard to figure out what she's doing because there's so much narration at this point where they're talking about... Wait, how did she get to the prison? The narration also cut over to, like, the government's, like, radioing with Wonder Woman. Telling her, oh, you're dropping down over here. There's, like, this many prisoners loose. And she leaves her quirky Tumblr bait new friend. We don't know. Maybe they went back and then she got changed and then she went to the prison. Yeah, because she had to pick changed. up her sword and shield anyway. Yeah. Because now Wonder Woman is dressing up like a very modern... They've been keeping it pretty simple. They aren't going as crazy as they do in the films where they're like, look at her designer outfits. Wow, what a knockout. Instead, she's just kind of like casually... It's the same. They're doing the movie. Business casual. It's the, it's the same. Why am I trying <laughs> to differentiate? She looks nice, but she's not like wearing designer stuff that right. how do you as a museum curator <laughs> afford this and at the same time they're not taking the complete opposite route like other reboots would do and just keep her in her costume the entire time yeah. in like these normal situations where everybody would be stopping to stare at her yeah that is kind of nice yeah. though so she has a little bit of anonymity she is sort of doing the whole every woman thing mm-hmm. and people who live with her clearly don't know who she is so she's just, you know, mild manner. I mean, but also she's not scared of like, oh, by the way, I'm going to go run at super speed. Right. See you later. BRB. <laughs> so she takes off. She like is doing all this gymnastics. She like stands in between two cars that are going to crash and stops them. That kind of thing. She's got this freedom that a lot of these heroes don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's nice for her. I'm like that for her. She's fighting all these men. Then, of course, Maxwell Lord shows up and he's like, Everyone kill yourselves. And so now we have Purple Man inspiring Maxwell Lord. And more one person controlling all these other people. Yeah. So we're back to this. (laughs) Yeah. So then she's like, there you are, Max Lord. And now we're set up. Mm -hmm. We're getting people involved with this Wonder Woman's rogues gallery within like, I don't know, four months away from the film being premiered. I mean, as of right now, that's what's determined yeah but it could get pushed back even more (laughs) when's its release date now now it's october okay yeah so that's the story Uh, take it or leave it it's a setup story yeah i gave it around the same rating as the batman superman i liked it less but i also really don't okay here's the thing about mikhail jenin 
his style goes back and forth, right, in terms of detail. What we have here is a really unfortunate, simplistic design that gets worse with the coloring. Yeah. The coloring is very junior level, I don't know what I'm doing, and also I don't care. So everything is very flat. The sky is always a yellow gradient of something. You know that yellow gradient thing they always had in Vertigo comics where it's just like, yeah. here's yellow and it's also a little bit brown underneath. It's kind of like that 6 in the morning sunrise or a 7 p.m. sunset type of color. <laughs> it's like SoCal sky. It is what it is. It has some good moments. Mm -hmm. There was one splash page that I really enjoyed. It's the one with Wonder Woman, like Maxwell Lord. It's great. I loved it. It was very classic. But everything else, there's this thing where like the line art doesn't extend around people's mouths or it gets really faint mm -hmm. and it makes them look crazy. <laughs> Somehow like their mouths are this like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's off-putting. Whatever was done with this coloring and the colors are all desaturated and bland and I don't even know if desaturated is the right word. It's just sort of pale. Mm. And so everything feels very um, washed out and boring. Oh. I mean, there are some scenes where she's fighting in the dark. Even those feel washed out somehow. That's something we had to deal with. In my opinion, they really like worked against the artist and mm. sort of ruined what could have been good art on his part. That was the only thing. Like, honestly, mm -hmm. it's fine. It's just my personal thing. Yeah, so if I had to rate it, I don't know. I'd give it a 3 out of 10. I wasn't entertained. 3 out of 10? 4 out of 10. I 4 out of 10? Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I think other people will. I just personally was bored the whole time. And I didn't care about anything that was happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that could just be me. Maybe I'm dead inside. It's... Jury's out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed Batman and Superman. And then I see Wonder Woman, who I want to like so much. You were getting into it, too. Yeah, I was. I was really excited to see her Diana taking on stuff dealing with like hard questions taking on all of them mascara and like their fighting past. nazi valkyries nazi valkyries <laughs> gotta get back to our roots <laughs> as a country those valkyries have to go down <laughs> it was really fun and fanciful and i liked that this one it feels more like that washed out we're trying to be relatable with the youths so let's make them all boring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what i got you might like it it is a good starting point I really feel like a lot of it was the art and the narration. They were both, like, hitting me. Mm. Well, we've kind of felt the same with Tinian's Batman when it first started. I didn't feel bland about it. I just felt like it was going nowhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was a slow burn. We were going along the Catwoman route, where it's like, something will happen someday, but you have to buy X amount of comics to get there. <laughs> Catwoman was so tied to the events, like, she couldn't come back without messing stuff up. So she has to wait for Batman to get over his depression. <laughs> but at the same time, Batman now, he's the star of the show. So he has to be going at his own pace. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Tinian kept us like waiting for so long was not great. But now I think we're actually on a good path. We're like going somewhere with the Joker War. Which is really shocking too because... After we filmed, we checked the reviews for Batman 95, and a lot of people didn't share our excitement for it. I know. I was like, finally, <laughs> it's getting better. And then people were like, ah. I forget why. The main problem was punchline. Oh, yeah. Well, but I didn't we like all, punchline Yeah, either. we all shared that part. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> well, Batman 96 is introducing Clown Hunter, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> 
I'm so sad nobody's talked to him about that. <laughs> is anyone getting through to this man about his character creations? No, because Jorge is just drawing whatever Tinian gives him. And Jorge is so smug. He's just so happy. <laughs> he walks around, I'm pretty sure, just smiling to himself every day. Because like, that's how he like greets people on his like, media. He's just like, oh, everything's great. Like We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everyone's gaining weight. And there's Jorge looking ripped and opening up yeah. snack cartons. And Sorry, I just saw an unboxing with him. And he was so ingratiatingly happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dare to have that face after designing Clown Hunter. <laughs> Well, it's a multi-person process, yeah. so it's not like we get to blame one or the other. But I blame them both. He might be great, but I just felt like that is as over the top as all these other villains. What if he just becomes another Robin at the end of it? Because <laughs> for some reason, I see Clown Hunter, so I'm like, okay, he's against Joker. He's not going to be a bad guy. He's uh-huh. going to be like an anti-hero guy. So I'm, it, for some reason, it reminded me of Duke and Robin War. <laughs> Where, like, Duke just decided to wear, like, the Robin jacket or whatever, and then he gets invited into the Bat Fams. I'm like, what if he's going to have, like, the same path? I was trying to figure out, like, which Robin would be. When you said that, I was like, oh, you think that's Red Hood? (laughs) That's Red Hood's newest look. Just Red Hood Outlaw, number 51. <laughs> New writer, James Tinian. <laughs> I could have had a cape and like sh- waved it like Toro, but then I thought, what if I just had a giant mohawk to confuse my enemies? Jason would call himself Clown Hunter, though. He would. That would be his thing. <laughs> but I feel like we'd have to be on a different Earth to yeah. like, have that, Jason. <laughs> I'm worried about this Clown Hunter character. I feel like it's just going to be the same boat as Punchline, honestly. I just really hope it doesn't. His punchline's ex-boyfriend. He's really angry <laughs> that she went down this path. But he looks so young. I could see him like a, a younger brother, maybe. <laughs> I'd like it if Clowny's hunting his punchline. Mm. And then he kills punchline. And then everyone's happy. But based off of his name and his design, it's already screaming someone who's just so full of themselves. Reminded me a bit of Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles with his outfit. It's like just very like makeshift put together. Yeah. Yeah. I never get excited about these characters, but you know, the way he's treated the classic characters, they've been on model. It's yeah. just this extra stuff tacked this is on. This new stuff. All right. <laughs> so, Muse. Yes. Empire. Uh-huh. Three. Mm-hmm. How is that treating you? Empire has actually been really solid so far, at least the main series line so far. Some of the other spin-off things have been a little hit or miss, but I'm not focusing on them. We're focusing on Empire issue three. Of course, the writer is Al Ewing and Dan Slott, and the artist is Valerio Shiti. So this issue, Wakanda is the battleground as the Avengers and the Fantastic Four unite to prevent a vibranium-powered threat to all life as we know it. A long-lost Avenger returns to active beauty. Interstellar intrigue threatens the fragile kree Skrull alliance. We're still ramping up. There's still some stuff going on. But the one thing I kind of do like about Empire is issue one, we did get set up and we got some fighting. We got a nice mix of still setting up and fighting. Like nothing's really hit that climax. It is still slowly reaching. We're getting some climactic points, but we haven't hit it just yet. So it starts out with, of course, Tony Stark blaming himself for trusting Koti. 
because he was a former Avenger and the son of former Avengers. Reed Richards assures him that he's not the only one to blame because even he was like, if I was put in the same situation, I would have trusted him. Kid's got a good track record. And of course, we don't know what's happened in the meantime. And now he's become a megalomaniac and wants to wipe out all animal life in the universe and replace it with plants. So hopefully find out more about that because I know there's two Lords of Empire that have yet to come out, which is about Koti himself and about his father, Swordsman. So we might get some more background information on what happened there. It seems like one of the Kotati's major goals is to reach the Great Mound, which is like, if you've seen the Black Panther movie, it's that big mining operation. It's their big mine for vibranium. What would they need use of metal? They're plants. Vibranium-rich soil. They could oh. use the vibranium-rich soil to plant another one of like their death plants that they did on the moon. So if they can plant and make forest out of the moon soil, then they can definitely do it in some of the richest soil on the earth. So they're trying to breach that. There's the scene where they're waiting there, they're doing the Bay thing, as the Kodatis, the foot soldiers, are trying to break through the barrier. They're trying to force their way through, like, the creatures in Infinity War. Really, this is a cut for paste from the movie. Anyone can see that. There's just the thing over here instead of Bruce Banner and a Hulkbuster suit. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of the majority of the fighting. We see the return of Mantis. I don't know much about Mantis. She's probably been doing space stuff, but Mantis is the mom of Sequoia. His nickname is very similar to the race that he is. But Koi, his mom is Mantis, and his dad is a uh, swordsman, which we've already seen swordsman. But Mantis comes in, and she's all, I'm here to save my son. Sue gets defensive, and is like, excuse me, your son is killing millions right now. And she's like, I'm pretty certain that my son is kind of poisoned by his father. He's been told things and turned against his own. I have to give my son the benefit of the doubt, and if not... We have to go to drastic measures. So it seems like... So Mantis is going to probably go with um, Sue and She-Hulk to kind of talk and see if they can reach an agreement. We then go back to the Kree Skrull ship where the Super Skrull is trying to <laughs> suggest that they once again stab Carol Danvers with the Star Sword that Teddy wields. So she can absorb the energy in the sword and use it as just a massive weapon to wipe out more of the Kota as much as possible. But it could kill her because it almost killed her the last time because she was dying and they jumpstarted her heart with it. But Teddy leadership is thrown into question and he decides to instead give the star sword to T'Challa because... T'Challa offers his reason wouldn't kill anyone. He sends it to him, and they're all very upset. And through this, we find out that the Kree accuser that has been a part of this team, Tanalf, she's the one that outright called him out and said, you need to get rid of Wiccan. Your alliance is switching between us and them. Turns out she's actually Teddy's maternal grandmother and the empress of the Skrull. 
because why not, and has been trying to manipulate him thus far, which explains so much of what's been going on, her playing multiple sides, her kind of very subterfuging things, because she wants to turn him into the best emperor ever. She wants to turn him into a dictatory emperor, and that's not what he's going for. So that was kind of empire. There wasn't too much. I really did enjoy this. Art-wise, it's been very consistent. The facial expressions and just the body language are those subtle yet very obvious emotions. So it's you're not just using the speech bubbles to understand what is going on. You really are seeing it and feeling it. Yeah, no, it's beautiful to look at. Like, I was entranced with the art. I was a little confused by the jumping around. There's yeah. a lot of ground to cover in this. I wonder also, because, like, usually with events whether it's dc or marvel it's usually tough to kind of jump on Mm -hmm. because usually those require like some type of background knowledge about what's going on with the event or like certain key people like hulk link because he is a scroll kree guy and whatever happened to tony stark because of that 2020 thing and i wasn't even reading marvel i just picked up that iron man issue Mm -hmm. Though I will say with Empire, probably not the best time to jump in, but you probably could because there was some reading material you could read beforehand. It was Road to Empire, the Kree Scroll War. It was just a one-off. It definitely summarized a lot of what you kind of need to know because that's how I learned about uh, Sequoia. I knew nothing about him and I got all of it from there. And Marvel beforehand was producing one-shot issues of key issues that had to do with stuff that would come back into empire so i do think like it would be super cool and groovy of you muse if you could maybe like make a checklist of your own for like a tumblr post or something because i feel like that would just help me (laughs) and maybe help some of our listeners because like i still to this day i'm embarrassed to say this but i was very confused about hulkling i thought he was a hulk like, why is he named that? <laughs> I, what I remember was that during the Young Avengers, <laughs> when they were choosing hero names, he just went off and was like, well, I'm kind of green like the Hulk, yeah. so I'm going to go with Hulkling. Yeah, Because serious? they had like an Iron Man knockoff, a Cap knockoff. That's so confusing. I hate it. Yeah, it was their way of trying to get the Avengers' attention. Like, hey, we're emulating you. Look at us here. Wiccan before was known as Asgardian, and you had Iron Lad, you had Patriot, and you had Hulkling. His original art style was definitely more just kind of, he got bigger and he turned green. But then later on, they made him look more scroll-like with the plated. That and also like the clawed hands. He got those later. There's a lot. <laughs> if you want, I can do that and I can try making, I can make a Twitter post. Please do. <laughs> that would help That would help us. us tremendously. Because there is just... It's so much with these Marvel things. Once all of Empire is done, I plan on doing a hijack to maybe fill in more of the gaps. It's going to be long because I'm covering not just the event, but I'm going to try covering some of the stuff before. So I'm going to make a huge Empire episode. All right, so coming into this cold, for me, here's one of my things. What on earth has been going on with Mantis? Where has she been? How is this her kid? What's going on? (laughs) I know next to nothing about Mantis. I do have a couple Mantis comics, but they're outdated. They're a few reboots ago. I know nothing about Mantis except 
what I've seen in the movies. Of course. I think that's most people, though. Totally different in the comics than in the movies. Like, in the comics, she's not a ditz. feel like this may have made more sense if the Agents of Wakanda tie-in didn't get cancelled. Yeah. During... The Tony Reed thing reads kind of talking like, oh, the Avengers, they're splitting off to do their own things. And Thor's doing his thing. And I'm like, we're not even getting the Thor Empire tie-ins either. So Right. Mm. I do feel like it's because of the whole just everything's kind of been on hold. So all these story arcs need to catch up, which I feel is also why Empire and DC are just getting all these stories out because they're already printed i also kind of just wish they had pushed it back a little bit because it's a lot to jump into deciding to come in and like attack wakanda it kind of falls to pieces when you're like oh we didn't have anything new to add here Mm because they're just like as you said ripping off the avengers Mm -hmm. and there's jury being a dick again she's so mean she's such a mean person I just saw that panel of like, oh, what's wrong, the thing from New York? You don't speak our language? You don't know what this means? You're here to protect us? You just flew out to protect us? How dare you? (laughs) How dare you not know everything about our culture? I love his quip back to her, though. It's like, oh, I must have left my universal communicator in my other pants. Like, really? You're going to treat me. I mean, it's, it's then she joke. counters it by saying something like intelligence is the universal trans. And I'm like, <laughs> ma'am, madam. She just sounds like she's on Tumblr too long. You, <laughs> you are not the victim here. You're not being victimized by this guy who just came to help you out. He doesn't have to stay. He doesn't have to learn your language. You're, you're doing literally nothing for him. Mm-hmm. He's here to help you. So you can just say, thank you, <laughs> the thing. For coming out here, uh, helping us out. You didn't have to do this on your Tuesday, you know? That was nice of you. This is not going to be fun, and you're probably going to get hurt. And uh, we appreciate it, that we, we can just throw you in the front line at this, like, genocidal uh, army and just have you take the brunt of it without complaint. And I love the thing. He doesn't even respond to her whole, like, Haha, the rock guy's dumber than me. I'm so smart. Instead, he's just like, eh. And then, like, they come on, and it's like, big full panel. It's clobbering time. I did like like that. Yes. That was beautiful. Get it. It's his go-to. But this is why you can't like Shiri. Like, who's going to like someone who, who acts that way? It just makes him look better because he's being bullied, and he's just like, eh. I really wish they didn't cancel the Invasion of Wakanda miniseries. I don't think it had anything to do with the Wakanda series that got canceled. It was Empire Invasion of Wakanda issue 1, 2, and 3. And now we're not even getting that. And I'm like, you're making the whole battle for Wakanda and the thing with the vibranium seem like it's such an important thing. And we're cutting it out. They mentioned the Thor thing. That's all we've really gotten. Like okay that's fine but even like compared to that checklist that was out originally when this whole event was Mm -hmm. going from april to july yeah and now that is cut down to size so Mm -hmm. it definitely looks much much more manageable Mm -hmm. because before there was no way i was going to be jumping onto any of this i saw that checklist i'm like okay muse will have fun i will be here and listen until it's done and maybe i'll try getting into marvel again because yeah. as of right now, the only Marvel titles I'm reading is Spider-Man. 
and just Spider-Man side uh, miniseries. Can I also say that it doesn't play well now that it has that they put it in phases? They're like phase one, phase two. <laughs> you think phase it hits three. a little too close to home? <laughs> I feel like they could have used a different word. <laughs> that's that's the marketing team at that point. Some of these things shouldn't have gotten cut. Some of them they have to keep moving on. I feel this is just kind of me looking at one of the other comics that did come out this week, but Empire Savage Avengers shouldn't have existed. The only great thing about this was the colors were beautiful. That was it. Oh, well, that's worth noting. But if the story's not good. Yeah, but maybe I want to go look at the colors, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I like looking at colors. You haven't noticed. (laughs) All right, well... If you had to give this a rating, Muse, what would it be? Um, I would give this an 8 out of 10. I love the art. The pacing of it's pretty good. There are some issues with it, but when you're dealing with something this big with so many things going in multiple directions, it can definitely get a little out of hand. But I think they've done a really good job with it so far. Nice. Well, we'll keep checking back with the new updates <laughs> <laughs> as you report on what's going on in Wakanda. Because I'm ready to drag Sherry just after watching her do that. <laughs> I was so annoyed. But I loved this art, so now I kind of want to like jump in. Mm-hmm. Well, you could tell me how it is. I will not. I will stay right here in my little comfortable Metropolis bubble. Oh, is it comfortable? Is Metropolis comfortable for you right now? Well, in Superman Man of Tomorrow by Robert Venditti. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, guess what? What? We have some other comics that came out this week. Joe, you want to talk about DC? Is that what you're trying to lead us into? Sure, I can do that. So, remember last week when I got really hyped up about DC Cybernetic Summer number one for yep. the one shot? And you fool. And you told me my dreams were going to get crushed. I did. Your and you were going to laugh. I was. Yeah, my dreams got crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Called it. It was so bad. It was so bad. There was one good story out of all that, and it was a Flash story from Joshua Williamson. Everything else was horrible. Just, oh my god. I don't even want to get into it. Just, yeah. Don't pick it up. So, we also had Free Comic Book Day Summer 2020, Batman Overdrive, Once Upon a Crime Flipbook, which is a little free thing you can get with your purchases at local comic book shops, or if you order online, possibly. Then Sandman Universe, you have John Constantine Hellblazer number 8, Legion of Superheroes number 7, Black Label Plunge number 5, Red Hood Outlaw number 47, Suicide Squad number 7, and that was it. Sweet. And Muse, what came out for Marvel this week? So Marvel had a lot, um, most of them Empire tie-ins. So we had The Amazing Spider-Man number 45, Cable number 2, Captain Marvel number 18, which was an Empire tie-in. Empire Captain America number one. That was interesting. They're setting something up with Cap. Empire Savage Avengers number one. Iron Man 2020 number five. Spider-Man Noir number two. Star Wars Darth Vader number three. Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality number five. X-Factor number one, which is a brand new X-Men title. It's interesting. It's pretty much North Star's sister. He gets a weird sense that his twin has died. Oh. The Council of Five or whatever it is, the people that revive the mutants are like, well, we need proof. So they get a bunch of different mutants together to investigate. Huh. Okay. North Star, Polaris, Draken, which is uh, Wolverine's son, Eyeboy, and Prodigy. So there's a couple of different... Very different than the usual X-Factor group. Mm-hmm. 
So, yep. And then we have X-Men number 10, which was an Empire tie-in as well, which was weird. Well, now it is time for our comic news. So we'll be giving you any new information involving comic books, movies, and television shows. Joe, you said you had some news. Yeah, so I found out Scott Snyder's going to be kind of stepping down as like DC's like main go-to writer in 2021. Because this guy has been basically one of DC's top writers since 2010. When New 52 was just kind of getting started, he did Court of Owls, he did Metal, he did Dark Knights, he did No Justice, The Year of the Villain, he's on uh, Death Metal right now, and Legends of the Dark Knights coming out. So he's kind of been in a spotlight for a good amount of years now. And he kind of said too, he's like, you know, I want to give other people a chance to kind of have the spotlight, and I just basically want to focus more on my own work i have a couple indie titles that are coming out that i really want to focus more on and a couple other things that i want to be able to do so he's just kind of taking like a step down which a couple people were surprised because ever since dan didio left the publishing position people thought that jim lee was going to invite snyder to kind of be his co-publisher but a lot of people said too that you know snyder loves creating too much to kind of be in a position like that so I never thought that he would be able to do something like that. He even said a couple times how he couldn't accept a executor position like that mm-hmm. just because he does love to focus on his own work. And it does seem like a lot of the main people are sort of stepping away from D.C. to focus on their independent things. Yeah. And I think it was kind of a wake-up call during the pandemic to realize that, you know, these big publishers, they're not necessarily going to be the most stable place to get money from Mm -hmm. in a crisis the people who were self-employed did the best because they had that infrastructure in place to support themselves with or without a bigger company holding their leash right and i'm sure too like we even saw during this pandemic when they were all on hold how many people were getting to work on their own stuff and like Tinian's newsletters of all these like ongoing things that aside from Batman news but all his stuff like something is killing the children all his other horror things trying to get his own studio finally getting up and running now yeah, he and got he got a magazine his... out and it's already sold yeah. out it's sold out wow but yes yeah, Snyder is stepping down he's gonna be still working with DC he's just not gonna be as big of an impact so kind of like what he's been doing with like the anniversary stories he'll still write if they want him to but he's not gonna be doing these giant events he's gonna leave that up to anybody else the other piece of news I have for DC is they're coming out with a new animated movie Mm -hmm. Death in the Family as we know famous for the death of Jason Todd Mm -hmm. but the twist is that it is interactive. How do you make it interactive? It is an interactive thing that you do with the remote control. Kind of like how, do you remember back in like the early 2000s when you would have those DVD board game things where it was kind of like a trivia? Oh yeah, I I had one for Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, so they had that for like Nickelodeon, Harry Potter, uh, movies and stuff like that. Or a bunch of like kids movies used to have games you can play on the DVD. So, like, Lion King one and a half, he used to use the remote and he used to go on, like, this little safari through the jungle thing. Yes! So is it like an interactive choose-your-own-adventure or is it going to have Easter eggs? It's basically going to be, like, a telltale story, okay. I want to say, but it's going to be much shorter in terms of selections because it's a movie. Uh. So, 
it's not even going to be following the actual story. What they said is this is kind of like using the movie Under the Red Hood that came out in 2010, which mm -hmm. was based off the story. That's their baseline work. And then this is going to kind of be focusing more on the events leading up to that movie. Oh. So you're going to be seeing other characters that weren't in the last movie. So like Talia al Ghul and Two-Face. And your choices are going to affect the path and everything like a telltale, pretty okay. much. So you got to be more careful with like your dialogue choices. You could also choose to not do any of that and just watch the whole thing non-interactive, which they call Under the Red Hood Reloaded. Oh. And they also have like three other non-interactives, which they are titling Jason Todd's Rebellion, Robin's Revenge, and Red Hood's Reckoning. Okay. Yeah. Um. And apparently they had other four DC Showcase shorts that are going to be in this DVD. So they had one Sergeant Rock, which apparently was in the Batman Hush DVD. You have Death, which was in the Wonder Woman Bloodlines DVD. Phantom Stranger, which was part of the Superman Red Sun one. And Adam Strange, which apparently came with the Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Well, I do like the DC Showcase shorts. They are usually cool. really good. I, I remember the Shazam one is really popular. Mm -hmm. There was a Green Arrow, Black Canary one. That, that one was really was, good. It's probably like the best. Yeah. Like that is the epitome of like, this is Green Arrow. <laughs> it was good. And then they had like a 15 minute James Corrigan Spectre one. Hmm. So I remember those from like years ago. So I'm excited to see that they brought those back. I'm still very confused with how this is going to work. But they have actors coming back to revoice Batman, young Jason, so Jensen Ackles not making an appearance because there's not going to be an older Jason, and the guy voicing the Joker. So Bruce Greenwood voices Batman. You have Vincent Martella, who is the voice of Phineas from Phineas and Ferb, voicing young Jason again. <laughs> and Aww. John DiMaggio, who plays Futurama's Blender, is going to be playing the Joker again. Then the new characters, Talia al Ghul is voiced by Zara Fazel, who plays Halo in the Young Justice Outsiders TV okay. show, and she's also Nadia from Voltron. Oh. And both Two-Face and James Gordon are being voiced by Gary Cole, who was the original uh, James Gordon in the 2010 movie. Interesting. Well, you were very excited about that. I thought it was a neat thing. It is neat. Yeah. <laughs> You sounded so pumped. It sounds yeah. interesting. And I saw the whole fact that it's interactive and I was like, oh no. I'm curious with these things because I remember being excited about like the little interactive things on DVDs as a kid. So I'm curious to see how this goes, especially because again, like I'm a big fan of the Telltale things. The Batman Telltale game was amazing. See, I like the Telltale games, but... If I want to play a Telltale game, I'll play a Telltale game. If I want to watch a movie, I want to sit down and just not touch anything. Well, that, that's why they give you the option. But, like, I don't know if I would play the whole Telltale interactive version of this, because I didn't mind those little interactive games, because I think I had The Lion King one and a half. I think when they put Snow White on DVD, there was, like, a dwarf mind train thing. But they were really mm -hmm. short. They lasted less than five minutes, and they kept my attention. Well, I was a little skeptical at first, too. When I heard interactive, I thought, ooh, a gimmicky thing. But when I think about it, that's kind of, not to be mean, but that's Warner Brothers' strength. Like, mm. if you are comparing DC to Marvel, which we always have to do, Marvel 
as soon as it got on by Disney. I'm sorry. Disney is where imagination goes to die these days. <laughs> so it's been very paint by numbers. It's been very safe. It's been very, this is how we do things. And now every character is Tony Stark. It's a small world after all because the whole world is ours. Yeah. <laughs> Death to the mouse. Um, so <laughs> listen, they are the small business killers and that's why they must die. So Warner Brothers, on the other hand, like their strength has always been experimentation, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's why we get Shazam and Aquaman was crazy, but then we got like some other like really dark stuff like Joker. Right. When the Joker came out and people were like, whoa, what is this? Because everything is all over the place. And you could say, oh, they're like searching for their voice. They haven't found it yet. But I think they're just letting everybody have their own voices. Searching for their voice. Warner Brothers is one of the oldest production companies. But like... <laughs> they didn't find it yet. <laughs> they're not going to find it. They're, the voice is Legion, okay? It's just a lot of different people with a lot of different visions. And I like when they let them have their yeah. vision. Release the Snyder Cut aside. <laughs> oh, gosh. Not that much. Or release the, what was it, Ayers Cut? Ayers Cut. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there have been a few times where they've, like, taken that vision away from people. But for the most part, there's a lot of really fun, wacky things that come out of letting individuals experiment, have fun, mm-hmm. try something new. And I think that's why I enjoyed Shazam so much. It's why I'm still going to see joker even though i hate that character i saw it and i was blown away by it you loved it yeah it was a really good take so i'm gonna definitely see it maybe probably at some point but (laughs) the point i'm trying to make is that i like when warner brothers likes to experiment i like when anybody does that you do get some flops but at Mm. least you're trying something new and i haven't seen marvel try anything like this so it's gonna be fun to see if maybe they can take it in a new direction than what we've seen before because this is more of an adult theme. Mm-hmm. So you have to make this interactive for adults. This isn't going to be Lilo and Stitch interactive. And that was kind of the thing they were going for, too, is because, you know, this is based off death in the family. This is when people got to phone in their vote of whether Jason Todd lived or died. And this is the same thing that they're trying to go for. Yeah, which which is cute. I do, I do like that. I will give a small call out, though. Dustin Wendt did post on his Instagram that... He has been holding on to his conscience that he was one of the voters that voted for Jason Todd to get killed. <gasps> and he created one of the edgiest, most annoying, I'm sorry, <laughs> that people like him. Continue. <laughs> no, that, that's all I got to say about it. That's all the news I have. All I'm right. curious about it because, again, like I'm a fan of Telltale stuff. I'm a fan of Batman stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes. It is coming out October 13th. If you want the Blu-ray version, it is $24.95. If you want the digital version, it is $19.99. This is more detail than I've ever seen you give on any announcement. (laughs) And and the serial code for this particular... (laughs) Okay, listen. Why don't you just tell us about next week's comics and maybe you'll calm down. (laughs) That's all they gave me. And most of the time it's like just like a... A writer's interview or an artist's interview, so I don't have much information to give. And guys, it'll be nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> I wish it was nineteen ninety nine. That was a good year. Anyway, so <laughs> next week's comics, we have Batman ninety six, which, like I said, is the introductory issue to Clown Hunter. 
We have Batman The Adventures Continues number three, which is yes. being printed next week. It's already been well past issue three of this, but now that printing is coming back because it was a digital first uh, only type of issue thing. Mm. I think it's up to like issue seven or nine right now digitally. Goodness. Yeah, it's good. Um, you have Dark Knight's Death Metal Legend of the Dark Knights number one. So this is going to be another like small compilation. You have Scott Snyder, Tomasi, Tinian, Joshua Williamson, Marguerite Bennett, Riley Rossmo, Joel Jones, Tony S. Daniel, and a whole bunch of other like writers and artists into this. So I think they're just going to be doing like another. This writer is going to be doing a tale about this Dark Knight, this one, that one. Right. It's, These anthologies are treating them good. I mean, it gives brings in the money. And it's it's fun for us. Oh, I yeah. enjoy reviewing it as like a group. Mm-hmm. So we also have uh, DC Classics, The Batman Adventures number three. Remember they were doing like the dollar comics for a while and they kind of just slowly phase out of that? Mm, yes. So now they're doing this. Uh. Um, you have Deceased, Dead Planet number two. Sandman Universe, The Dreaming, Waking Hours number one. Yes. Which you seemed very interested in when you saw that. Listen, I love Sandman and I just fell out of it early on, but... G. Willow Wilson is going to be doing this one, right? Yes. Ooh. And she was the previous writer for the Wonder Woman run before Steve Orlando took over. So then you also have Far Sector number 7, Justice League number 50, and then Strange Adventures number 4. Nice. Muse, you want to close us out with the um, Marvel titles out next week? All right. So we've got Ant-Man number 4, Avengers of the Wasteland number 4, Black Cat number 12, Captain America 21, Deadpool number 6, Doctor Strange number 6, we of course have Empire number 4, the Empire Handbook number 1. Which is, might be what we need. <laughs> I remember seeing this, but if I remember looking at release dates, this was supposed to come out I think around the same time as Empire Zero, Avengers Fantastic Four, or Empire 1. Oh. I think it was supposed to come out earlier. I don't know, I think it's a thicker, it's a huge handbook of like, everything you need to know so i will let you know if that is what you need to read first before getting into empire but okay thank god it's coming out finally jeez (laughs) run empire issue four before we get that thing um we could have been on the same page with her this whole time (laughs) yeah i know uh of course uh we have empire x-men number two fantastic four 22 which that is empire tie-in the giant size x-men phantom x number one Guardians of the Galaxy number five. We have Lords of Empire, Celestial Messiah number one, which is about Sequoia. Maestro, Future Imperfect, Marvel Tales number one. We have another issue from the Gameverse, which is Marvel Spider-Man, The Black Cat Strikes number four. Star Wars number five and Strike Force number nine. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am very excited to read both of these Black Cat titles. <laughs> Even though Gamerverse is so weird to me. Well, the Gamerverse, they originally they were just taking the exact um, mini episode from the game. Right, right. But apparently they started finally separating from that and going a different path in it. So I've been tempted to pick it back up haven't liked anything i've read so far but i will give it another chance because they've only got two black cat titles (laughs) and she's my girl we do love the one yeah black cat 12 i'm actually really excited about. yeah i've been waiting for it to come back just fun adventures all right so that's enough of that we've gone over 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Alex podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube now at Court of Alex. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with us and our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast of your choice. We're on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and a bunch of other places now. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.